for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Friday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Welcome to the program, a busy program today. It's going to sound like the old days, Trent Condon. Yes, I love it. A little bit of a throwback. We're going to do a whole lot of football on the program today. And grateful for doing that. Here's the BMW uh, guest list before we get to the breaking news right off the top of the program here. We're going to talk Vikings in about 10 minutes. Uh, we will uh, get uh, Ted Glover in here from the who covers the Vikings for Purple Buckeye. Uh, Jeff Hughes on the Bears, the Bears blog. 10.35, uh, Tom Kakert is going to join us. Got some significant news to talk about with the Hawkeyes. Uh, Alex Halstead on Iowa State. At 10.45, we will carry the Governor's press conference and then before we get out of here uh we'll we're saving the chiefs until next week but since we're taking a look at the nfc north at least the three needle movers uh from the north the uh, bears vikings and the packers dave sinekin will join us before we recap restaurant radio but right off the bat trent here is the news this is the uh release uh, from uh, this was this is uh, Luca Garza's very own words I'll read them to you this year uh was one I could never have imagined none of the awards accolades could have happened without the University of Iowa my coaches my teammates choosing coach McCaffrey and I was the best decision I've ever made with that said after meeting with my family and coaches I decided that I will be declaring for the 2020 NBA draft and throughout the process this part is capitalized I will be keeping my eligibility New paragraph. The NBA has been a dream of mine since I started playing basketball as a kid, and I'm going to do everything that I can to pursue it. If it ends up not being the right time to make the move to the NBA, I'm excited about the potential of what my senior season as a Hawkeye could have in store. Thank you, Hawkeye Nation, for this unforgettable journey thus far. Go Hawks, Luca Garza. So he's going to declare, he's going to get the feedback, the three words, Trent, that I think most people will focus on. And he did. He drew our eye to them right off the bat because he capitalized these three words. Keeping my eligibility. No agent. That is the way to do that. This is the way that most everybody, unless you're a surefire lottery pick, certainly that should be what is going to happen with these guys. NBA made the right decision years ago when they put this in there for these college players. And I remember at the time there were college coaches saying, oh, how am I going to set my roster? You're going to figure it out. If you got a guy that's good enough to put his name into the process, you're going to find out a way to make your scholarship limitations certainly work out if a guy decides to come back to school. But for Luca Garza, this is absolutely mm-hmm. the right move. Does he look like your standard NBA center the way the game is played today? No. He doesn't have the athleticism. He doesn't have the jumping ability. He doesn't have the speed that you see. But nobody's going to outwork him. Uh-uh. Have you seen a big guy like him? Uh-huh. The up and down the floor trend, beating every everybody. Everybody. Yeah, and he's amazing. not doing it because he's faster than everybody. No, no, he works harder than everybody. He works harder than everybody. He can shoot it. Mm-hmm. He can score. There's limitations defensively. But overall, I wouldn't bet against this guy. I, I really wouldn't. And, and be it this, this year, year or next year, yeah. whatever it is, 
is he going to be drafted in this draft? Man, maybe. Trent, you can't find a mock draft no. that has him in it. I saw one. Did you? He was at 54. I right, mean, there's 60 picks. You know, that's kind of one of those late flyers. Uh-huh. And see, he's going to play in the league. I don't know if it's this year. I don't know if it's next year. He's going to play in the league just because of that motor. The way that the guy continues to go. And you have to be great at something. Mm-hmm. He's a great scorer. Yes. Yes, there are bad things. Mm-hmm. And this is the same conversation we've had with guys for years. If you're great at something, you're going to find a way. Matt Thomas. Yeah, look what he does. He right. can shoot. Yes, he can. And he's carving out a nice career with the Toronto Raptors. Reggie Evans. What could he do? One he could thing. rebound, and he rebounded the hell out of the ball and made a boatload of money for doing it. Find one thing that you're great at for Luka Garza. That is being a scorer. There's a spot in the league, even with his limitations to play. I think he's back, though, next year. I do, too. If, I do. Well, and maybe this is selfish, because look at this Hawkeye team trend. Has it, I don't know how to go there. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's plenty of time to do that. Luca Garza, if you make the NBA, if you decide that the NBA, you're going all in, hats off to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you entertained the heck out of us. It gave us some good content here uh, when we came in following your games, because there was never a game, certainly this year, that no. well, Garza took a night off. <laughs> no. Was well, so, 16 straight Big Ten games he scored 20 or more? It's amazing. It was an amazing stat. It was just an incredible run that he went on. And look at the look at the the power forwards and the centers that he was mm-hmm. going up against night after night in that conference trend. I've never seen, and I'm sure there's been a, a year where the Big Ten had this many good big this was unbelievable. He's not doing it in the Bluegrass Conference here. No. This is the Big Ten yes. in a good Big Ten. As good of a Big Ten as we've seen, oh. certainly top to bottom, in a long, 1 through 12. And, and how many nights did you see him leave the floor with a fat lip or a bloody right. nose or a yes. black eye? I mean, this guy doesn't shy away from nothing. And every single commentator that you'd hear on the television broadcast would just talk about him. These are guys that see players across the country. These are players that see everybody in the Big Ten, whatever it may be. And every one of them, to a man, would say, I've never seen a guy work this hard. Mm -hmm. That is something that you can't teach. No, You, You have to have that want. He has that the videos that his dad Frank has been it's posting, unbelievable. I mean, you know, I'm really glad that he's doing that. Yeah, I am. It's it's, it's sports. It's something to watch. It's mm-hmm. watch Garza filling it up. To, uh, you know, working on his long range, and he's good from long range. Yes, he had he a is. bunch of threes, but he's been working on that and his footwork. And you know what? Um, you won't outwork him. No, you not won't at all. outwork him. And that's that's the uh, that's one of his strengths. Clearly, so tip of the cap to you if indeed you've played your last game uh, at Carver. Um, heck of a career. Heck of a career, and best of luck to you at the next level. I do not begrudge you one bit. Selfishly, yeah. Come back. Yeah, but if you move on, move on. I will without Luca Garza. Are you ready to even entertain that idea for well, next season? I think season? you have to entertain it because he's taking the steps that, you know, yeah. that make you entertain it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, Dungey's going to be back and it won't be the same team. No. Won't be the same they team. They NCAA tournament team? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. They got too much talent, I think, otherwise. There's too many guys. I mean, everybody's coming back, Trent. Everybody. A healthy Frederick uh-huh. for a whole season. Of course, Bohannon back. Tucson with another year. Look, yes. at, look at the flashes we saw out of this kid. And there were flashes. Uh-huh. And there was also some some bad parts. But Yeah, but that's what, what he was you going. get with a freshman, right? right. Wieskamp goes back to being the guy we saw two years ago as opposed to the one we saw this year. A little more confidence mm-hmm. out of him, maybe. And um, Look, when, when Tyler Cook left, Luca Garza took over. With Luca Garza leaves, maybe Wieskamp takes that opportunity to take, I don't know, different position, but 
We'll see. You got um, Connor McCaffrey doing his thing you know, and John with people and yeah. mixing it up and being a point power forward in the different role mm-hmm. that he played this season. That's does, excited to see. Does, does Pemsel make the same decision if he knew that Garza was going? I think so. I, I think he was just. I think he just needed a fresh start. Yeah. No one final year, knowing that yeah maybe there would be a couple more minutes, but he's had a lot go wrong. Oh no doubt. Yeah. You know, this no doubt. this calendar year has not been great for him. Coupled with the injuries that he's February gone through. was good for him. I thought he played his best basketball in February. Had a stretch of what three four games mm-hmm. where after the suspension is right after the end he took he went for uh, to McDonald's or wherever the hell he went. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> and he didn't have a license. He got yeah. picked up for it, but yeah, that stretch he played well, but still it, kind of limitations in his game. I'm more excited about the upside of a Jack Dungey mm-hmm. to see Patrick McCaffrey what kind of minutes mm-hmm. he can give them next season. Connor McCaffrey in that role when they go small ball and they go four and they got. Now, it's so funny, this roster goes from the last three, four years we've been talking about just all the forwards that they have and overwhelming in the front court. Now the back court, they got so many different options that they're going to go where most of college basketball is gone, and that's a four-guard lineup. And I'm excited to see what it can be. Pitch Matt Harms hard. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, I, he's I don't think he's going to end up in Iowa City. No, I don't either. All right, we're going to uh, we'll save more for that. Tom Cakert is coming up at ten thirty-five. Uh, we will get Tom Cakert in here. Uh, Cyclones made some news. I, I love this uh, signing that they made yesterday. This uh, kid who played quarterback for three years in the Kansas City area uh, is coming to Iowa State to play defensive tackle. <laughs> I mean, obviously the kid's got some fit fit footwork. Uh, you would think if you play the quarterback, he's got some speed there. And, uh, you know, what usually makes the best D tackles or O linemen, you know, you want those wrestlers, right? Those former wrestlers. But I do, why do you want them? Because of the footwork angle that they bring. Um, and we'll see. Iowa State, uh, defensive tackle, played quarterback for the last three years. So that, uh, more with Alex Halstead coming up uh, at 1045. We're going to take a look at... A couple of our local NFL teams. We will do the Bears with Jeff Hughes. Ted Glover is going to slide on in here as we take a look at the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings have had a lot of guys on that defensive front walk out the door. Mm-hmm. One of the better offensive weapons in the league uh, was traded out the door. And Stephon Diggs, they get a, uh, they get a draft pick for that. Uh, Ted Glover joins the program. Ted, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on, Ted Glover. How are you, sir? Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I'm I'm doing fine, all things considered. I hope you guys are all staying healthy and and doing well, all things considered. Doing our best. You know, I'm looking at your uh, your your page on your uh, of your Twitter. Um, is that a muskie? That's got to be a muskie. When a size of a head like that, that's a big. Is it a really big northern or a muskie? Which which uh, what what's in your picture on your Twitter account? It's northern. It's northern man. pike. Gotcha. Heck of a fight. It was, yeah, it was good fish. What's uh, how big is that? Fifteen pounds? Uh, I didn't, I didn't weigh it. It was like thirty. I think that one was like thirty-five or thirty-six inches long. It was, it was, yeah, I had to throw it back. It was too big. Yeah, what kind? What kind of lure did you use? Were you were you just throwing one out of the boat? You weren't trolling for that, were you? Uh, I, I was. Uh, let's see, I was using a. Um, I was using a, either a five of diamonds or a. Mm-hmm. Uh, um. 
Uh, Daredevil. I can't remember which one I was using. Red Devil and Northern Pike go together. I caught a pilot as a kid in Canada on that Red Devil, and they were the cheapest lure you could possibly buy. So I love that part yeah. of it. Uh, well, let's get yeah. into the Vikings. And as we talked, you know, the, maybe the story so far of the Vikings, and I hate to go negative to begin with, but boy, a lot of guys have left off of that team, and I get it. Salary cap. Now Dalvin Cook wants a, uh, he wants to be paid like the highest running back, uh, the best running back in the league, and you can certainly make that argument that uh, uh, that he holds that distinction right now. The story of the offseason before we get into the draft for the uh, Vikings has been what in your mind, Ted? Uh, I think it's been the the roster attrition combined with, with the Diggs trade. I mean, normally you would think when 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 you extend your, your big-time starting quarterback, that would sort of be the headline, but that is actually kind of a... Um, Kind of a side story to everything that's gone on with the Vikings, I think, so far this offseason. Twelve picks in the draft, two in the first round with that Stefan uh, Diggs trade. And at the wide receiver position, Thielen banged up last year. Is that something that they're going to be looking for early, you think, because of the move of Diggs and having those two first-rounders? Or is that capital they will be even looking to move up? What do you think they're going to be looking for early in the draft? I I, I think, and this is this is just... Ted's, you know, amateur draft guy opinion, but I, I think wide receiver mm, is a lot be. deeper than than tackle or uh, cornerback mm-hmm. or interior lineman. I don't know that I'd go interior lineman in the first round. I think if I was the Vikings, I'd be looking at at uh, a corner or or an offensive lineman. Hopefully, you know, one of the one of the top offensive tackles maybe will will drop, uh, and they can they can get another guy to bookend with Brian O'Neill and figure out the interior offensive line later. But I wouldn't go wide receiver for, for another reason as well. I mean, and, and I'm not I'm not trying to compare Stephon Diggs to Randy Moss, but I don't know if you guys remember, but back way back in the day when the Vikings traded Moss in the first round, top 10 pick, they took Troy Williamson, who was complete bust. Mm, yeah. And 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 it's even if, if Williamson had been good, had put up like Jake Reed numbers, he would have always and forever been compared to Randy Moss, and I, I, he could have never lived up to that. And I don't think, unless maybe C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy drop, and I don't see that happening. Whoever, if the Vikings take a guy with one of those first round picks, they are forever and ever going to be compared to Diggs. And I, I think it will be tough for anybody to replace the production that Stephon Diggs gave the Vikings offense these last three or four years. I, I just, and, and so I, I think. That would be a lot of added pressure that that incoming wide receiver doesn't need. So I, I personally would not be in favor of it. And and again, with with wide receiver depth fairly strong in this draft, I think they can wait to to the second round and address that. But they they absolutely have to address wide receiver in the draft. Yeah, and, and you're right. And there's there's a whole bunch of them, and maybe they can come around in the second round uh, to grab one. So you know, back to the back to the cornerback position. I mean, no surprise, Xavier Rhodes is gone, and where did he sign? I think with the Colts on on a one year prove it deal. Trey Wayne's kind of surprised me. I thought that he might stick around, but uh, he's moved on as well. Yeah, I sort of thought between between um, Rhodes, Wayne's, and and Mac Alexander, Mackenzie Alexander, their their guy who was essentially the, their starter at the at the uh, slot position and nickel position, I thought they would try and keep one of Wayne's or or Alexander. Wayne's, I think, was just too expensive. He wanted he wanted top dollar and and he got it and good for him. Um, but I honestly thought 
between Rhodes and, and Alexander, they would bring one of those two guys back. And, and I, I'm still kind of baffled by the fact that Mackenzie Alexander signed, a, I think it was a one-year, $4 million deal with Cincinnati, which is something the Vikings could have matched. And I, I would argue with all the experience gone in the secondary, save for or at least the cornerback position, they would have tried to bring one of those two guys back, and 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 they didn't. And so I, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, Viking secondary looks going into twenty twenty. AJ Epinesa, I've seen a lot of mock drafts. The Iowa defensive end has been mocked over to the Vikings with those two picks in the twenties. Have you taken a look at Epinesa? I know you're a Big Ten guy. You well, you got to see him a couple of years ago uh, pulverizing your Buckeyes. But your thoughts on Epinesa? A good fit for the Vikings. I don't recall that day at all. I don't recall that day at all. That was a bad day for everybody. Well, for not maybe not you, but no, not at uh, all. I, I I have looked a little bit. I, I've been focusing more on on corners. I mean, I. I'm not saying defense, and he's good. I'm not saying he's not good, and and he'd be, he'd be a he'd be a good pick for the Vikings. But you know, I've also seen uh, that the Gross Matos guy from Penn State, uh-huh. the yeah. Vikings. I like him, and I I just I'm not I'm not feeling defensive end in the first round. I mean, it's it's a need. I'm not saying it isn't. You know, they lost Everson Griffin and and they lost Stephen Weatherly, um, but but they still have Daniel Hunter. Um, they have kind of a, uh, an option in Afedi Adenabo, um, who played pretty well in situational, uh, situationally last year. I think, if it was me, I think the Vikings are looking to elevate him to the starter, uh, to the starter position opposite Hunter and then maybe get a, a depth guy later on in the draft, like maybe fourth round. Um, but then again, you know, Mike Zimmer's a defensive guy, and, and if they go defensive end, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be stunned. I'd, I'd be kind of surprised because I don't think that's a, as big of a need right now as corner or or you know tackle or <laughs> you name it. I mean, the Vikings kind of have issues everywhere. Wide receiver. You know, they they could go one of four or five different directions. Well, we'll know two weeks from today what they did. Last thing from me is there they they have two picks in the twenties. Is is there a chance of you know, they they want to maybe find their quarterback of the future. I don't know if they love Kirk Cousins or not. I know that they uh, redid his contract. Um, but if Jordan Love's still there in the 20s, he's a guy that uh, he's really polarizing. You either think he's going to be terrific or he's a don't touch. But I think Belichick at 23, they makes, uh, it makes sense for them. But would they, would they be tempted if he's on the board to pluck a quarterback with one of their two first rounds? Or is that too much of a luxury? I don't think so. If if they had not extended Kirk Cousins, I would I would argue that they'd be they'd be looking at a quarterback in the first round. But they've they've pushed that, you know, they've kicked that down the they've kicked that can down the road at least a couple of years. And and they they signed Sean Mannion as a backup. So I I think the Vikings are happy with the quarterback situation. Um, I, if they had not extended him, I, I think they would be. But no, I, I'd be very surprised if they went quarterback early um in in this draft with when you look at all the other needs the vikings have on both sides of the ball they 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 have they've got starter positions they need to fill and and they have depth positions they need to fill and rick spielman needs to hit i mean hit solid gold on his first three or four picks in this draft 
and plug them into the starting jobs right away. So, I, man, I'd be very surprised if they went quarterback. Ted, when I uh, looked at the division odds when they were first posted, a couple of offshores, it was basically a, a toss-up between the odds for the Packers and the Vikings. The Packers were plus 135. The Vikings were plus 140. As I look at them today, the Packers now plus 125, and the Vikings 2-1 to one to win the division. Do you think the gap has grown that much between the Vikings and the Packers here this offseason? Uh, you'll have to play the games. I, I don't know. I, I just – the Vikings have a lot of questions. I mean, if they can fill these these holes on the roster in the draft, yeah, they can compete. But does that mean – but will they? I mean, when you look at draft classes historically, you're lucky if you get three starters out of one draft class. I mean, that's considered a really good draft class for just about every team across the board. Uh, and, and the Vikings need – four to come in and start right now, right away. uh, And on defense, you know, uh, Mike Zimmer's defense, by all accounts, is is not the easiest thing to learn when you're transitioning from college to the NFL. They've had a a lot of turnover on the coaching staff, a lot of roster turnover. They lost their biggest offensive playmaker. Um, They they got rid of their their top offensive lineman, uh, interior offensive lineman last year, and, and that's a hole they need to fill now, too. I don't know, man. It's it's going to be um, it's it's a lot. It's a lot for the Vikings to have to take care of in this draft since they really didn't do much in free agency. We'll see. Ted Glover, DailyNorseman dot com. Ted, we'll dra- we will talk to you uh, the week of the draft. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you. All right, take care, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. Good to talk sports. Good yes, to talk football. That felt great. It did. Let's move on. Let's stay in the north, but let's go to Chicago. They don't have a first round, a couple of second round picks. Mm-hmm. You want my hot take? I've, what been saving, do you got? I've been saving this one for today. Oh, boy, here we it's, go. It's a hot take. First of all, Jeff Hughes, good to talk to you as always. I'm going to share this with you as well. Uh, opening week. Uh-huh. Mitch Trubisky starting quarterback. Oh, jeez. Telling you. All right. I'm telling you, Jeff, uh, the Bears blog. I know you're all in on Nick Foles. Um, he's okay. He won a Super Bowl. Um, so did Mark Rippon. <laughs> How are you, Jeff? It was good to talk to you. You know, I'm here in New York City, and I'm pretty much on lockdown. So if there's anything to read about pretty much any topic, I have read it. Yes. So we can have any conversation you guys want to have. I am well-versed now in a multitude of subjects. But listen, here's the question we have to ask before we start talking about what quarterback starts week one. What does the off-season program look like? Mm, yeah. Is there training camp? Is there going to be uh, organized team activities? Are we going to see preseason games? If none of those things are done in the normal fashion, and we know they're not going to be done in the normal fashion, yeah, I could see a scenario where they just say, let's play Mitch when we get to regular season games because he's the quarterback right now, and Nick won't have had an opportunity to win a real competition. But make no mistake about it, Nick Foles was traded for to be the starting quarterback. Uh, this, this organization very much uh, soured on Mitch Trubisky over the course of the season last year, and they need a quarterback who can just simply execute the offense, and they don't believe Mitch can do that anymore. Matt Nagy back in the role of calling plays. He brings in Laser to be the offensive coordinator. It's been kind of a back and forth. I think Elric uh, last year got a little bit more hate than was necessary just because of Nagy and the responsibilities that he has on the offensive side. It's a new marriage, but this is Nagy. This is what he's known as, as a guy that goes out there and knows how to build an offense. Foles and him have a connection here. How big of a leg up do you think that is for Foles in this competition? 
I think Foles' relationship with Nagy, his relationship with the system, uh, his relationship with John Filippo, the quarterback coach, I think all of those things give Foles the advantage uh, if this were to play out as a quote-unquote competition. Um, you know, Nagy tried to do something I thought pretty interesting when he came in as the head coach. He, he went and hired an offensive coordinator from the college ranks, and Mark Helfrich, who was going to bring a certain read option college-style system to the team. He went and paired him with Harry Heastan, who was also an offensive line coach in college. He's been in Chicago. But what he tried to do was sort of bring various ideas together and build something new, and clearly it hasn't worked. So what he's done this year is go and get Juan Castillo to build a gritty, tough running game to put the old Andy Reid style back in place. And he's brought Bill Lazor and John DiFilippo in to, to be able to delegate some responsibility day to day. Matt's still going to call the place, still going to be his offense, but he wanted to put a more stable group of coaches together uh, to, to mirror more of what Andy Reid had in Philadelphia than this sort of new collection of ideas that he tried the last two years. Uh, we're talking with Jeff Hughes, the BearsBlog.com. Uh, Jeff, does it seem like once they uh, we get to Friday and the Bears get to participate in the draft, no first-round pick but two uh, in the second round, doesn't tight end with one of those two uh, picks almost have to be uh, an, an area that they address? 100%. And, and I think tight end, there's going to be a couple of guys, you know, Bryson Hopkins and Cole Smith, and there are players out there they can get. They need a young tight end. They can't rely on Trey Burton to be healthy. Jimmy Graham will be a situational player for them. He actually fits what they do uh, far better than he fit what they did in, in, in Green Bay. Uh, but they need a young tight end they can sort of build on for the future. You know, this draft, the way it's going to break for them is there's also going to be a ton of talented, speedy wide receivers in that second round, and losing Taylor Gabriel could be a big deal. You know, Taylor Gabriel's numbers weren't great last year. That's because the quarterback kept missing them wide open down the field. Taylor Gabriel could have had a potentially huge season if Mitch Trubisky could get a football anywhere near him. So I think they're looking for speed at wide receiver. I think they're looking for a tough guard and I think tight end. And then there's the wild card of the second round for them, which is quarterback. Yeah, and then mm. that still sits out there. Those two picks, Ryan Pace has been a wheeler and dealer in his time as the general manager for the Bears. Do you see a realistic scenario where they package those two picks together or a bunch of draft capital to move back into the first round? Or Ryan Pace, he's, he's general managing for his job right now. He knows that the time to win is now. What do you expect to see in, in terms of dealing in the draft? First, I would say I don't necessarily think Ryan Pace is general managing for his job. I think he is well-liked in that building. He has changed the entire culture of this organization, which had really fallen down a well. And I, I think that I don't see Ryan Pace going into a draft and mortgaging the future, no matter where he sort of stands in the organization. I actually see a scenario where he might even trade back in this draft, give up one of the second-round picks, add a third and add a fourth. He's been really good in those rounds. And again, when you look at the depth of this draft, it's at wide receiver. Uh, it's at it's the interior of the offensive line. And there's not a high-profile, big star tight end, but there's five or six guys that could fall in rounds two and three. So I actually think that Pace could say, let's get rid of one of these seconds, let's add two more picks in this draft, and maybe we can fill a myriad of needs, as opposed to really having to hit on both of those second-round picks 
if they want to have an impactful draft. Mm. What is your second level of quarterbacks look like, Jeff? Uh, from where you sit, obviously, you know, Burrow and Tua are going to be gone and probably Herbert and maybe Love, although maybe Love slips a little bit. What's your second level? Who's at the top of it for you? I like Eason. Um, and and I, I, I like sort of his, his, his pedigree. Mm-hmm. I've watched a ton Big of kid for some. Yeah, and you know what? The one thing about being on the East Coast is we get a chance on a Saturday night around ten o'clock when those West Coast games go on. You just you suddenly find yourself paying more attention to them. So I like Eason. Listen, I think the, the wild card in this draft is going to be Jalen Hurts, and there's been a lot of talk of Jalen Hurts to the Bears. I think he's uh, meeting with teams. Teams are really liking him. The question is: is what he does will it translate to the next level? And you know, I, I don't think the Bears will take a shot like that in the second round because I do think they're very close to being contenders again, and that's a sort of for-the-future pick. But those are the kinds of guys I'd be looking at. You know, love, I hear everyone's, you know, enamored with him now. I just, when I watch the tape of him playing football, I, I don't see that guy as a as a franchise quarterback in the NFL. But we know year in and year out, crazy things happen with quarterbacks in the draft and someone will fall in love with these guys, and teams will mortgage their future to get them. But uh, I think outside of Burrow and, uh, Burrow and Tua, I think the rest of them are all crapshoots. Jeff Hughes, Bear Blogs, joining us. Jeff, uh, we'll wrap up here as we started talking about you living in New York. Yeah, good idea. You're, you're in Queens, and you're at the epicenter. Here in Iowa, you know, we're, we're not back together like you guys are in New York. It, it is different, and our numbers are completely different. Either take it football and, and add that into it and what the NFL you believe is going to look like when we get into either training camp or even into the regular season. But for you, as you look at it from your outpost, I'm sure a completely different perspective than we have here in the Midwest. Well, I can, I can just tell you guys, you know, we've gotten so used to the sounds of sirens mm-hmm. around here. It's, it's the one sort of soundtrack of all this. And every time I go for a run in the morning now, the gym is closed, and there's just an ambulance in front of a different building every single day. Jeez. And, and it's, it's sort of it's a pall over the entire town. But I just can't for the life of me see a scenario, unless we increase testing by a huge amount, where you're going to have sixty and 70,000 people in a stadium in September. I, I, don't, I don't see that as anywhere near logical or rational. Unless testing increases in this country tenfold, twentyfold, how are you packing 63,000 people into Soldier Field in September? Who's going to want to be in those seats? Who's going to want to be in those seats when, when a guy three seats over coughs in the middle of the second quarter? You're still going to be sitting there? No. I mean, this, I know everybody wants to get back to quote-unquote normal, and everybody wants to watch sports, but I don't see how fans in the buildings play any role in that in the near future. So, listen, it's the NFL, and they're going to find a way to make their money. And if they, if they play in empty buildings, I would not be surprised. Uh, and they'll get the players tested, and they'll make sure that's mm-hmm. safe for the players. But I just don't see how we're looking at anywhere near a normal NFL season. I don't see it. I, I don't either. Uh, one uh, Less than 1% of the country has been tested, and like you, unless they come up with a way to do that. I don't think fans are going to be a part of sports this fall. We hope football is. Last thing, just real quick, how close are you? Isn't the the main hospital in New York, or the one that certainly had the you know the, the most critical care patients, isn't that, cl- isn't that in Queens? It's about 0.7 miles from my Jeez. house. Oh. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not far at all. Uh, listen, like I, I've told a lot of people who have asked... We, I don't live in fear. My friends don't live in fear. The people I talk to don't live in fear. 
it's just a very sad experience because I'm not among the more vulnerable, but we know a lot of the people who are among the more vulnerable. And I'm watching businesses, bars and restaurants and bakeries, and I'm watching these businesses closed and knowing that 50% of them are not coming back. Mm -hmm. And what is this place going to look like when we start opening doors again? I mean, it's a, it's a scary time because nobody knows quite how to exist. I hear it. I see the news. Elmhurst, I see That's the stories. It, Elmhurst, I yeah. see the pictures. And it's, it's as close as it is to me. It feels very foreign because I, I don't feel it in any particular risk. But that's the point of this. Even those of us who aren't at risk, you got to stay home. You got to limit your contact with people. And you got to do your best to make sure that your neighbor who's elderly doesn't get sick and die from this. Because once it gets you, man, the, the war stories I'm hearing is even young people are in the hospital for 10 and 12 days if they get a, a, a severe case of it. So it feels like a sacrifice now. It's not much of one. Stay home, watch television, Be bored. listen to the radio, and hopefully we come through this in a few months. Absolutely. If you're bored, you're doing the right thing. Uh, Jeff Hughes, thank you for coming on. We will talk to you draft week, okay, Jeff? All right. Take care, guys. Yeah, I'm going to talk to Jeff Hughes to bearsblog.com. All right, we'll take a timeout. Uh, we will get into the clones and the Hawks. Hawks first with Tom Cakers, the Luca Garza News. We'll lead off with that. But right now, KXNO and iHeart want to help you with your bills. Text the keyword THANKS to 200. 200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. That's THANKS to 200, 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, Tom Cakert, HawkeyeReport.com, uh, Alex Halstead, 24-7 Sports, Governor at 11, Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And Sports Station 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. Time to talk Hawks and Clones. Iowa first today. Tom Cakert, HawkeyeReport.com. Oh, not a lot going on. Gary Barta met the media yesterday. Some nuggets came out of that. But then the big news came this morning. Not surprising. Luca Garza is going to do what he should, and that's submit his name to the NBA for the draft, as a number of players do. Uh, they don't get the feedback that they, they um, it's telling them that they should come out, and they go back to school and they work on it. Uh, we will see if that's the case with Luca Garza. Tom Caker joins us. Tom, no surprise uh, that this happened. Uh, your thoughts on Luca Garza? Uh, and I love the fact that he, um, you know, he did capitalize those three words uh, in his statement that he put out, keeping my eligibility yeah this is what he should do and this is the way he should do it is to go in and not hire an agent and just kind of keep his options open that he could come back now you look at uh, you know you take some of the nba draft projections with kind of a grain of salt because it only takes one of those 30 teams to say they love you and they'll draft you to change your thinking but most of the draft boards just don't have him up there uh, as a first or second round pick, and it's only a two round draft. So uh, logic would tell you that um, you know Luca's going to get feedback. He should. I always look at this like uh, you know college students doing a summer internship, 
and you know you want to be uh, an accountant and you go work for an accounting firm, you get feedback, you get understanding of what that job is like, and that's the same thing that Luca's done. That's uh, here today. It's the same thing Joe Wieskamp did last year, and he'll probably do again this year. Get that feedback, and then use that information to become a better basketball player you know there's always a faction of any fan base that is looks at it the negative light finds negativity to come out for this I, I think there are a couple of things that also work on the Hawkeyes favor of him coming back a the option about going overseas you don't know what that looks like you don't look quite like what that's going to be and coupled with the NBA Luca's not going to be able to go out and work in front of these scouts and they can see what kind of worker this guy is him a face-to-face interview. You know how engaging he is as a personality. And that theory, too, maybe a guy that you look there and you slash. And he is stashed down there in the G League for a year or a guy at the end of the bench. Those two things, I think, lead more to the idea that he'll be back. Even if he would get some positive feedback, he'll be back for his final season at Iowa. And you look at Luca. He is um, He's kind of been motivated in his career by proving the doubters wrong and trying to uh, trying to leave, uh, you know, a different uh, path in, in things. And, you know, he when he put out that tweet the other day congratulating Obi mm-hmm. Toppin, he was, you know, yeah. basically, even though only one of the six major awards went my direction, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it just seems like the chip is residing firmly on his shoulder right now that he wants to come back and uh, have kind of a legacy year, lead Iowa to, uh, you know, an amazing special senior year and to be able to, you know, become the all-time leading scorer. And uh, I, I think those are things that are meaningful to him uh, in terms of his basketball life that he wants to do. So I suspect he, you know, until I hear something different, uh, I, I suspect he'll be back. I fully sus- suspect that Joe Wieskamp's going to be back and, Iowa's going to be a top 10 team going into next season. Yeah, so if, uh, the uh, way too early, as they call them, um, uh, rankings for next year. I've seen them as high as five. seen them in uh, the other ones I've seen are both uh, somewhere in the top ten. Uh, well, Tom, let's uh, l- let's move on uh, to, to football, if you will. Oh, just real quick, you so you will get Garza at 11.30. Is that, what, is that, uh, is that correct? You, uh, there yeah. is a press conference? Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to talk to him at uh, 11.30 today and, uh, you know, kind of get some information on what he's thinking. You know, one of the fun things, I do think that there's kind of a method to the madness with Frank Garza, and I love Frank, but he's he's getting those videos out, and, <laughs> and you can bet that NBA people are watching those. Uh, those uh, There's an intended audience for that. It's to entertain Iowa fans, but it's also to capture some of those uh, NBA folks who might be peeking in. And and, and uh, Iowa media, too, because I've enjoyed watching. So. <laughs> no doubt. There's no sports yeah. other than that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's get to Gary Barta yesterday. Uh, you guys were part of a Zoom uh, conference with him. Uh, your biggest takeaway, Tom, is, I mean, I think it's still the great unknown. I'm not sure I really learned anything. What did you, what was your takeaways from, from Gary Barta as he met with you guys yesterday? Yeah, I, I kind of think maybe the top line thing was probably that they're not doing budget cuts yet. Um, you know, they're, they've had a reserve fund and they're going to be able to probably cover what they need to. Their fiscal year ends June 30. So, um, but he did kind of say, look, <laughs> July probably going to have to do some, some budget cutting. Uh, and by that point, you'll have, you'll have a better idea of just 
what's going on, I think, at least in terms of are there going to be fans in the stands? Are we going to have college football? You know, all the things that are on the table that are just the great unknown. And anybody who's telling you that we're not going to have college football or we're going to have college football or there's going to be fans, there won't be fans, nobody knows. Absolutely no one knows uh, because this is just so new. Uh, I did think it was interesting that he said the Big Ten ADs and Kevin Warren, the new uh, commissioner of the Big Ten, by the way, good planning by Jim Delaney to get out of it <laughs> really? at this time. Uh, and uh, uh, said they've been meeting uh, via Zoom conferences and teleconferences every day to talk about basically football and uh, doing a lot of modeling and you know, all these things are on the table. Do, do we have to do kind of a truncated schedule? Do we have to push things back? All those things that they're kind of discussing and kicking around. So they have a plan when they need a plan and they can execute it quickly. Um, I thought his answers about the spring sports were interesting because there had been some stuff floating around that maybe Iowa was going to take the Wisconsin route and uh, um, just kind of say, good luck, folks. And um, now he, he's kind of backed away from that. I, I, I don't think he was ever firmly in the Wisconsin camp. Uh, I, but they're going to have to come up with that money, and it's going to have to come from the budgets of those sports to make that work. So he said he thinks you know, 25, 35 of the 65 seniors are, are potentially going to try and come back for an extra senior year. Tom Caker joining us from HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, you mentioned Gary Barda talking about the Iowa side of things, but he's also part of the college football playoff committee this year, and there is a more and more seems to be a growing sentiment inside of college athletics. I saw Brett McMurphy of the stadium. He had an article, 88% of the athletic directors that he talked to were in favor, at least for the interim, for one year, to try to find a way to get more money into college athletics of expanding the playoff up to eight. Is that a real possibility in your mind, Tom? Um, you know, they're, they'd have to amend that contract that they have with ESPN to do it. I, I think ESPN would be more than happy to do it, I but do I don't know that they're going to be able to, uh, you know, get more money out of ESPN to do it. That would be the uh, the challenge, I think, is, is uh, you know, can you make, is it worth it financially? But I'd be all in favor of it. I think it would be great. I think the eight team is the way to go from the get-go because then you can get all five power, five, all the, Power five uh, champions in there, and three at large. You can mm-hmm. have one of the, um, you know, the Boise State kind of schools in there, and then uh, two other at large teams. So I, I just think it makes total sense. You could do them on campus. You could do them at bowl games. You could do a lot of different things. And I, I think uh, if the sooner we get to eight teams, the better off we're going to be. Uh, Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, you've got to jump on with uh, Luca Garza in about 40 minutes. We'll read the recap of that, HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, t- uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Stay safe. Okay, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Tom Caker HawkeyeReport.com. Alex Halstead, Cyclone Alert 24-7 Sports. Uh, he joins the program. Alex, I love the uh, the commitment that uh, uh, Coach Campbell got, the quarterback position. Kid's going to play defensive tackle. Uh, don't see that very often. A kid who played quarterback in high school uh, is going to play uh, D-tackle and, uh, at 290 pounds. Obviously, he's got some uh, he's, he's got some footwork, you would think, if he's played the quarterback position. That's a plus in his favor. 
favor, but you don't see too many quarterbacks uh, go to college football to become defensive linemen. Yeah, you're right. And and we talked to Matt Campbell earlier in the week, and you know, he, I asked him, you know, if he thought this uh, pandemic and this uh, dead period, which is going to go through May 31st, would impact recruiting. And uh, he said he didn't think it was going to have much impact. They got a commitment later that day, and they got a commitment yesterday. So two commitments since Matt Campbell said that. So maybe maybe he knew something. But uh, yeah, you're right. This Howard Brown from Kansas City uh, is uh, six foot two. He's now up to 290 pounds. Jeez. But uh, last year he was the last three years really he's been playing quarterback. Uh, for his team, Lincoln Prep down there in Kansas City. And uh, he's been playing more like 260, 270, but you still watch his film, and he's moving pretty well uh, for that for that size. And in the last three seasons at quarterback, he has 82 touchdowns uh, that he's accounted for. So uh, this is a kid that's athletic, and he has uh, two other highly rated kids uh, on his team, uh, one a linebacker, one a defensive end. I think the defensive end is actually right now projected to go to Oklahoma. And his coach still said that he's probably the most athletic of them, just just what he can do at that size. And so, uh, you know, a pretty good gift for them uh, in that regard. He's maybe not as highly rated as you would think for that athleticism right now because uh, he's really only been playing defensive tackle one year because he's been a quarterback. So a lot of it's still projection, but I think anytime you project a quarterback at that size, um, or I shouldn't say a quarterback, but an athlete at that size that can move like that to play quarterback, uh, you know, I think that's what Iowa State sees in his ceiling. You mentioned, Alex, he had a chance to talk with Matt Campbell earlier in the week, and one of my biggest takeaways was him talking about his background, coming from Mount yeah. Union, no spring yep. practice. So if there is a coach in the Big 12 that is probably ready for this, you'd have to assume it is Matt Campbell. Yeah, I asked him, I said, you know, what what do you think the ramp-up time is that you guys would need, ideally, and also, you know, right now, the the, the period that the Big 12 says, you know, for, you for sure can't do anything, it's May 31st, so what would things look like in a best-case scenario if, say, in June you could get back at it in that best case? And that's kind of what set him on that answer, and it was quite a, a long answer, but pretty in-depth where he said, uh, you know, he's probably the wrong person to ask about ramp-up time because you've seen around the country, you know, I think Penn State's AD said that, you know, teams need 60 days to do it healthy, and there's other coaches that say yeah, they need to start by July 1st. And Matt Campbell, you know, didn't you know necessarily call anybody out, but he kind of just said uh, from his perspective he's not the person to ask you know, if people think they need two, three months, because, you know, when he was at Mount Union Division Three, both as a player and a coach, you know, they didn't have spring ball, he said. They they went home for the summer. They worked jobs. You know, he said he worked on reconstructing bridges uh, in his four years there as a player during the summer back home. And so they would arrive back August 1st. They'd spend a month, and then he said they'd be ready to go. And so, obviously, that's not the most ideal situation, I don't think, for anybody, because things have changed quite a bit, especially at the Division One level. But he seems pretty comfortable that, you know, that they can get ready if, if this is going to be a shortened ramp-up period. Now, ideally, they're still back in June, and they have June, July, August. But, uh, you know, he's not overly concerned about, you know, if they didn't get back till mid-July, that they can't get ready for the 2020 season and play starting September 5th when they, you know, host South Dakota. Uh, Alex Halstead is our guest, Cyclone Alert, part of 24-7 Sports. Well, let's switch to basketball. Uh, Coach Prohm's heard uh, a lot of no's uh, out on the recruiting trail. How badly does he need DJ Carton to say yes, and what's the likelihood of that happening? Well, I don't think it's very very likely right now. You know, right now I'd, I'd say that, you know, everything I've heard so far seems like Carton's going to maybe end up out of the state, and it doesn't seem like Iowa State's been overly involved. You know, right now – you know, what they really need probably is a grad transfer, and, and they're in a situation where, like you said, they've missed, you know, this week. And Terrell Gomez went to San Diego State, and then yesterday you saw, 
uh, Bryce Aiken go to Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. And so those were two of the main high-level grad transfers for immediately eligibility that they, they needed. And now they're really down to one high-level guy, and that's Justin Turner from Bowling Green, who uh, looks like he's probably going to announce on Sunday or, or Monday. And they're in his final four, which includes re- him a possibility of him returning to Bowling Green. And I'm not sure what kind of shape they're really in. And so if you miss on him, uh, you still got four scholarship spots, and you've missed on three of the you know, higher level grad transfers you run on. And it's, it's competitive. You know, I don't think anyone will doubt, you know, how much more competitive the grad transfer landscape has become since Fred Hoiberg kind of, you know, was really successful those first few years. But um, it's really a tough spot for Iowa State to be in because, you know, kids are going to keep transferring and there's going to be options that continue to pop up. But, you know, they really need to go find a score, a grad transfer score. Justin Turner would give them that. But if you miss on him, you kind of back to the drawing board. And that's kind of the situation that, is going to make it difficult. You know, DJ Carton, I'm sure, would be a great addition as well, um, whether he gets to sit out or immediately eligible, but it just doesn't seem like Iowa State's mm. fully in that picture right now. I'm not you know, ruling them out. You know, they've got probably some connections with, you know, I'm sure he knows Xavier Foster, and I know he knows some of Iowa State's uh, players, I think, from past recruiting, but uh, that one's been pretty quiet so far. Good stuff, Alex. We will talk to you next week. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, uh, what's the, there's a kid in Michigan, too. we got like 10 seconds. His name escapes me. He's leaving uh, Howard's program. Um, a point guard. Yeah, I, Do you remember? Uh, that name's escaping me, too. There's, there's a few it starts with a D. It starts with a D. I remember that. Um, anyways. We'll see. Uh, good stuff, Alex. I'll look on my list. All right, yeah, do, do so. Thank you. Good to talk to you. We've got to talk to you next week. Uh, Kim Reynolds' press conference coming up next to Julius. That's the kid's name. Okay. Um, Kim Reynolds' press conference, Packers, Restaurant Radio Recap. We're here till noon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.